Good morning, all. You well? Good. Well, I'm pretty good. We're going to speak this morning about strength. I'm going to start by asking God for some more. Lord, we need your strength. To bring your word, Lord, I need your strength. Anything out of my own strength, Lord, will be folly. It'll be stubble. Lord, so I pray for your strength to bring your word. I pray for this, my brothers and sisters, Lord, here for strength to receive your word and that it would accomplish everything, Lord, that you've purposed it for. So pray, Lord, that you'd speak now, that you'd sow seeds of your truth and any weeds, Lord, would wither. Have your way with us, Lord, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. The series that I've been speaking to over the last year is anchored in the great commandment that Jesus spoke to in Mark chapter 12. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, Jesus wasn't making that up on the spot. He was quoting pretty much directly from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And to understand what he was saying in Mark we need to understand what the Father was saying through Moses in Deuteronomy. Words are very important to me. Understanding is very important to me. But words are even more important to God. And his words are full of power. And his words are truth. They are always powerful, and they are always truth. And in my journey with him, he leads me back into his words as deep as I can go, and deeper again every time I go back to them. And my time in his word for this message over the last while has taken me even deeper than I've had before. And what I love about preaching, more than any edification that might be brought to you, it's what he does in me. And so it's always a privilege and a, and a and huge benefit to me when I get to preach, even on the number of occasions where I've gone to preach, but then it didn't happen because, yeah, the plug got pulled because God was doing something else. You miss out, but I still get it. But anyway, the words. The words in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Strength. The Hebrew word translated as strength here is me'od. You don't need to remember that, but it's me'od. And the scholars define this word as might, force, or abundance. And so in Deuteronomy 6.5, it's translated as strength. But that is not the word that it is most often translated into. There's a principle called the principle of first mention 
that I uh, take some stock in. And this is the, the idea that God sets up definition of his word uh, at the start. And so when you look at the first mention of a word and how God used it in that context, it can shed light on its future use. Not exclusively so, but it, it brings uh, a, a bigger definition for you. Now, the first mention of this word, me'od, which we read as strength in Deuteronomy 6, the first mention of it is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. And in that verse, the words is, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. In this verse, me'od, strength, is actually translated as very, as in very good. The first and predominant use is the concept of abundance. It is used as an adjective to magnify the purity and perfection of God's work, the purity and perfection of the world that he had just created, of us. After God had created man, he reviewed his work and saw that it was not just good, it was meod good. It was very good, exceedingly good, abundantly good. All that God does is meod. It's abundant. He doesn't just give us life. He gives us abundant life. Meod life. And the love that God showers us with and asks for in return is meod. It is abundant. We're called not just to love him, but to love him abundantly with all of our strength. To love him with every resource that we have, with the best that we have. It's like when Jesus, Jesus was sitting on the lake shore. After he had risen from the dead and the disciples were out fishing and Jesus was sitting there waiting for them and he lit a fire and then the men came in with the, with the fish and he cooked it up and ate it with them. And uh, Peter was in a, in a pretty messed up place because of what had happened over the, the last week. But Jesus sits down with them and uh, looks to bring him some comfort. And he asks him a question. He asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus asks him this question three times. And Peter replies three times. And what can be often lost in the translation uh, from the Greek to the English is that the question that Jesus asks, do you love me, Peter? And the response that Peter has to that question, yes, Lord, you know I love you, they're using two different words for love. When Jesus asked Peter, do you, do you love me, Peter? Uh, he said, he's asking, do you love me with the godly, selfless, self-sacrificing love of agape? But when Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he's using a very different word. He's 
speaking of more, uh, the fraternal love of filio. It's still, a, it's a still a, a dear and sincere love, but it's not the same. Jesus asked them this question twice. Do you uh, agape me, Peter? Do you agape me, Peter? The third time he asked them, do you filio me, Peter? And at this point, the word says that this upset Peter. Now, I'm, I'm not in his head. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But when the language changed, it really hit Peter quite hard. One of these loves is a godly love, a love that we we have from him, that he deposits in us. And the other one is one that I think he instilled in us from creation, that we would form bonds with each other, that we would have deep friendships with each other, we would have concern for each other. But it only goes so far. There is a limit to this love, this human love, this filio love. But there is no limit to the love that comes from him, the love that he puts in us by his spirit, agape. God's love is more abundant than this. He's filled us with more abundant love than this. And he's asking us to love with more abundant love than this. Peter may well have been loving God with all of his strength. The night before Jesus' death, Peter declared to Jesus that he was ready to go to prison, even to death for Jesus. And he took up a sword that night and took on a crowd to prove it. And yet, the very next day, first opportunity that was put before him, he denied he even knew Jesus three times, just as Jesus had prophesied he would. But I still don't doubt that Peter loved Jesus with all his strength. The problem was that it was his strength, his frail human character, his frail moral and emotional fortitude. It was him, his resources. The love that Peter had for Jesus may well have been all that he could muster, but it was not enough. It's never enough. When we rely on our own resources, we will let ourselves and others down. Our strength is just not strong enough. Our capacity to love God is limited by our humanity. It's limited by our selfishness. It's limited by our brokenness. And it's limited by our revelation of love. Our revelation of his love. But here's the thing. God isn't actually asking us to love him with all of our strength. He's asking us to love him from his God is not inviting us to love him by the human definition or experience of love, but by the superhuman definition 
and experience of love. The supernatural expression of love. His definition. We're called not to love him to the limit of our human capacity, but to the limit of the supernatural capacity that he releases in us through his spirit. The Bible differentiates between the strength of man and the strength of God in a number of places. Isaiah 31 verse 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. 1 Corinthians one twenty five. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Oh, and one of my deepest favorites, Isaiah forty twenty eight to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The strength of of mankind is in horses and chariots. All reinterpreted for today in tanks and drones and ICBMs. Our strength is in technology. But if our strength is in these things, it will fail us. The strength that those things bring is a brittle strength. It appears hard, but it breaks. And you see what these things have done to the world we live in. We have a broken world. And what we, what we've put our strength in, what we seek strength from, makes it even more broken. If your strength is in ingenuity and self-reliance, which is part of the Kiwi spirit, well, this will fail you. If your strength is found in drugs or alcohol, if this is what you turn to, when you need something more, this will fail you. If your strength is in another person, in a father, a mother, a husband or wife, they will fail you. I will fail my wife. I will fail my children. Because I am still broken and a man. I need their trust not to be in me, but in him. And that is my first job, to lead my wife, to lead my children to him, the only one who will not fail. As the psalmist said, Psalm seventy-three twenty-six. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Samson is 
quite a caricature as an illustration for this. He shows the difference between God's strength and his. Samson was supernaturally imbued by God with a physical strength that enabled him to perform the physical feats of a demigod. Without God's strength, he was just a weak, ordinary, broken man. And that was Samson's story. He strayed from God's path. He threw God's gift away and was humbled to a pit of weakness and shame and then death. A better illustration for us is from Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 12. Let's have a look at that one. Second Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 9. But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, says Paul, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was able to turn his weaknesses in the most awesome opportunity for God to fill him, for God to empower him, for God to make him strong. If he lent on in the confidence of his theological education and his knowledge of his abilities, the power that he walked in, the authority that he had in the church, if he lent just on that, that would be his own human strength with no real power actually behind it. But he flipped it on its head, counted everything that he had done as lost. And his weakness then became his greatest strength because that hole, that chasm in him of weakness, he then released to God to fill it with God's strength. And that is why time and time again throughout history, God has chosen the wrong people to lead his people, the wrong people to lead his church, people who were physically weak, people who had no right taking on that mantle, people who had the, just a rubbish resume. He picked these people, people sometimes of no consequence, the youngest of a family, prostitutes, people who had messed up on their lives. Uneducated people. He chose them to be his messengers, to be his leaders, to carry his authority so that the works that they accomplished in his name would point to him and everyone would know only by the God of heaven could this happen. And Paul got that. Our capacity to love without God's strength is limited but with it we can we can love like he loves selfless self-sacrificing humble love and that's the love that Paul describes in Philippians chapter 2 
Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is the love of God, which Jesus demonstrated for us. And it is also the love that his spirit has deposited in us. It's the love that his spirit works to nurture and grow in us. That this would be the love that we live by. Strength. Love God with all your strength. One thing that is clear through my devotions in the Psalms, particularly the Psalms of David, is that strength is a huge theme, a common theme that he turns to time and time again. Second Samuel 22, David's praying. It is God who arms me, from verse 33. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. Your help has made me great. So Provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give away. Psalm 18.1 I love you, Lord, my strength. Verse 32 It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. Psalm 59.17 You are my strength. I sing praise to you, God, my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. And it's psalm after psalm after psalm of this. Psalm 28, 7, 28, 8, 29, 11, 59, 9, 68, 35. And these are just psalms of David. The same thing again. When he's in a cave, when the world is actually against him. When his, his, his king and mentor is hunting the country to kill him. When he is hungry. When he is tired. This is what he prays. This is what he sings. You are my strength. You are my shield. You are my fortress. You make me strong. And this is not just a declaration. This is what he chooses to meditate on. Because it doesn't always feel like that. But he chooses in his darkest times to sing that over himself. You are my strength. I will prevail because you are my strong arm. And the same theme carries on through the rest of the Psalms, through the Psalms of Asaph and the sons of Korah. 
It is him that we look to for our strength. The strength we are called to love God with is the strength that he gives us. It is his strength, just as it is his love. It's not our human strength. It is the gracious gift of his spirit. And he gives it to us through a number of different agencies. So how do we get that strength that David constantly spoke of? Well, firstly, we get it directly from him through communion in his presence. We see this in a very powerful experience of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. It's an amazing narrative there. We'll read that. Daniel chapter 10 from verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz. His face was like lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. But now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and I began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord since you have given me strength. Thank you, Lord. The God who visited Daniel and gave him this vision and strengthened him through it is the same God that we know and worship today. This is how he does things. 
he heard the prayers of his humble servant, a servant who put him first and who sought understanding and knowledge of God. And in his weakness, his God met him and gave him strength. That is the God I need in my life. Paul prayed. He prayed that we would experience these strengthening encounters with God in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. Paul prayed that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul was, um, Daniel was thrown into a lion's den because of his prayer life. He defied the emperor's decree and prayed openly, brazenly, because he didn't care for anything but his God. And God heard those prayers. Heard them in the lion's den. Heard them wherever they were sent from. That's a devotional life with reckless abandon. And it shames me. Do you go days when you think, oh, oh, I need to, I need your help, God. And as you start to ask him for something, realize that you haven't spoken for a few days because you were okay the other days. Didn't need anything. I've got, I've got, I've got most of the week, Lord, but maybe we'll catch up on Friday. Give you an update with where things are at. Oh, this man, Daniel. Man, what did God put in him? Reckless devotion. Reckless disregard for his own well-being physically. Sought God with all that he had. And God gave him everything that he needed and more. Thank you, Lord. God gives us strength through through his word. Deuteronomy 11.8 Observe therefore all the commands I am giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Somehow here, the word, in particular, the commandments of God would strengthen his people, would give them the resolve, the courage, equip them with the boundaries they would need to fulfill the ridiculous mission that God had given them. Ridiculous in that they were coming up against nations of warriors spread throughout Canaan. And this was not a warrior people. They'd just been pulled out of, out of Egypt. They were shepherds. They made bricks. But they'd dropped those tools to take up, well, they wouldn't have had swords either. Sticks and slings. And they were going to go into a land with giants. But God pointed to his word to his commandments, and here you will find strength. 
Psalm 119, 28. My soul is weary, weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. David speaks at length in Psalm 119 about the strength and the comfort that he found in meditating on God's word. And the word he had then was the Torah. It was the law. That's what he is meditating on reading. And that is where he found his strength. Meditating on the promises of God. Meditating on the narratives of how God had walked with his people. and Protected them. Blessed them. Fed them. Watered them. Gone before them. Came in behind them. This meditation gave him the strength that he needed. God's word is a source of strength because it is filled, and this is my testimony, it is filled with testimony after testimony, narrative after narrative of God walking with his people. And he said that he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when I think about the the little problems that overwhelm me, and compare that to the problems of Israel throughout their history, the problems of the church in the early centuries. <laughs> oh, Clayton. Oh, bless you. There is nothing that I have faced or will face, I imagine, like what God has walked his people through the miracles that he has performed. There's nothing he can't do, anything that seems impossible to to us. He's like, um, yeah, I've got a plan. Let's try this. There's an army behind you and there's a sea in front of you. How about we just like, I'll move the water so there's this, this dry land in front of you. You keep going and then I'll just close it back over the army. Didn't think of that one, did you? Yeah, I can do that. Let's go. He's that God. You need more time to complete this battle? Okay. How about I stop the sun in its rotation and defy all of the laws of physics which I established to actually hold everything still on the earth? How about I do that? You finish the battle. I'll make sure you win. And then we'll get things rolling again once you're done. How long do you need? So I read these stories and I'm like, who is this God? And what out there can he not do? What battles do I face that are too big for him? So I read his word and I am filled with strength. Part seas, defeats nations, stops the sun, sends down plagues. I felt like praying for plagues sometimes. Not the full-on ones, like flies or frogs, sometimes boils, but <laughs> get them, Lord. <laughs> yeah. He didn't didn't give me that one, but still, you gotta pray with faith. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that reminds me of that interest. Um, Jesus is walking with the disciples, and they they were rejected in a town, and uh, and the disciples went to Jesus. Oh, 
Should we call down fire on them? Jesus is like, what are you on about? No. What is really cool is the disciples believed that they could call down fire from Kevin and it would happen. Obviously, they messed up and that was a dumb idea. But the faith, because they hadn't seen that. That wasn't one of the miracles they'd seen Jesus perform. But they, they looked at Jesus and said, should we call down fire? Because in that moment, they believed if they called it out, it would happen and God would smite those fools. That is the faith I want. I'd like to be a bit more clued up and have a bit more wisdom, but that's the faith that I want. God strengthens us through each other. First Samuel 23, 15 to 16. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Now that is a friend. That's the man that David said, you are my brother. And that's the brothers you need. That's the friends you need. Job didn't have these friends. In Job's time of affliction, his friends got around and said, yeah, you obviously, obviously did something wrong, mate. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you can make it right, but yeah, sucks to be you, Job. And his wife said, curse God and die. Job needed a bit of friends, that's for sure. He had a friend like Jonathan who went to him and helped him to find strength in God. And that is the model that is for us as well. And this was the practice of the church. Acts 14, 20 to 22. The next day, Paul and Barnabas left for Derbe. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Acts 15.32 Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. 1 Corinthians 14.3 The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. And there are so many verses like this that clarify that the ministries that God has given us are to strengthen the church. Acts 18, 23, 2 Corinthians 12, 19, 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, Ephesians 4. The ministries of the apostle, prophet, teacher, and pastor are given to strengthen the church in particular, but not just those gifts. Gifts of comfort, gifts of mercy. To receive strength from these gifts, we need to humble ourselves under them. We need to make ourselves vulnerable in the way that Paul was vulnerable, aware of his weakness and exposing it so that God could act in that space, so that God could work through others to give him strength. 
you feel a bit awkward sharing your weaknesses? The Apostle Paul wrote them into Scripture that billions of people throughout history would know how messed up he was, but that God conquers all his weakness and fills it with strength. You're worried about a few close people in your life knowing your darkness? Man, Paul was obviously a big sharer. But what did he get in return for that? And that vulnerability, he gave God the room to move in him and fill him with strength. This is why we're told in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, do not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This here, our gatherings throughout the week in life group, the times we meet together for prayer, one-on-one or in groups. Those times aren't about what you can get out of it and what new things you could learn or anything like that. Everything is communal. God brings us together because the only way this works, the only way we endure is when we stand and walk together. He brings us together to fill us with strength through each other, to build each other up through each other, through the gifts that he has given us. Without each other, we are less. It's like in uh, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, God look, creates Adam, he looks at Adam and says that it is not good that he is alone. The only time he says it is not good in creation is when he looks at Adam on his own. Adam was not good until Eve. He was complete with Eve because God's plan was always for community, for family. He needed Eve and Eve needed him. And then together, God said, this is very good and man and woman are made in my image. It's like Adam wasn't a complete reflection of God's image. But with Eve standing next to him, together they were. God brings us together as brothers and sisters and church family to strengthen us through each other. Using all the gifts that he has poured into the church, poured into each one of us. And the gifts that he has given us are not for ourselves but for the church, for building each other up. God also strengthens us in response to intercessory prayer. Paul modeled this for us as he prayed for the church. First Thessalonians 3.13, he prays, May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And in Second Thessalonians 2, 16, 17, he prays, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, 
encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And he says in Ephesians that he is praying every day continually for the church, for us. Jesus, the night before he is crucified, thinks forward to us, to the church, to those who would believe, who would come to believe, us now. And he prays for us then, praying for our unity. He tells Peter when he's reconciling with him on the lakeside that I pray for you because Satan wants to, he wants to sift you. He's coming for you, but I pray that you would be strong. Now go and strengthen the others. That's what our Savior modeled. He knows our weakness. He intercedes for us. And we need to intercede for each other. When we see our brother or sister fall, when we see them struggling, we don't judge. We pray for them. Help them, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Step in there, Lord, and just pull them up and hope that people are praying the same for you. That is the culture that we want to build here. That's the culture of the church that has been modeled for us. In summary, God's strength is found in his presence. It's found in his word. It's found in the fellowship and in the ministry of his gifts in the church. It's found at the end of faithful prayer of intercession. God's strength is abundant. It is without limit. And it is his will for us to be filled with it. And it's only with his strength that we can ever truly love him. So let's seek it with all the strength that we have. Seek him with all the strength that we have. And love him with all the strength that he fills us with. Let's pray. Almighty, powerful God, creator of the heavens and the earth, Lord of the armies of heaven, There is none stronger than you. If all the armies of the world, all the armies of hell were pitted against you, they would cower in shame. Nothing can stand before you. Nothing can stand before your name. This is our God. And you have strength for us, Lord, and you offer it freely. I pray, Lord, for both a revelation of our weakness and our need for you. And also the humility to fill that gap, that space, Lord, with your strength and allow you to do this work in us. We need your strength, Lord. We do not prevail without it. And without your strength, Lord, we cannot love you. Not the way that you desire. Not the way that you are worthy of. 
So heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord. Fill us to overflowing by your Spirit. Renew our hearts, Lord. Soften them. Give us a heart of flesh. Give us your heart. Renew our minds, Lord. Sanctify our souls and give us your strength so that we can love you. We can love each other, love our neighbor. And Lord, share your love around this world. Believing this is your will, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. One of the things that's really significant uh, has been for me in that Philippians uh, 2, 1 to 8 scripture is that emphasis on Christ and his humility for us, towards us. And, um, you know, if you're someone here today who's needing um, prayer into something, you know, God is asking for that softness of heart, that humility. And uh, we, we're going to have a, a prayer team available for you, if you have uh, got things that you you're wanting to get right with him about, you're wanting to uh, receive healing, um, anything that Clay has uh, spoken to today uh, for clarity, come and uh, we'd love to pray with you afterwards. Uh, that would be awesome. All right, guys, the uh, cafe will be open. Just a reminder, we have the lunch next uh, Friday. We look forward to having as many of you and your friends, family, uh, work colleagues, people that you you know would love to be part of that with us next week. Um, please register RSVP, and uh, we can't wait to see you. Have an awesome week. All right, guys.